Thank you so much for joining me here at the Real Rescue Podcast, powered by Vertical Helicast. A massive thank you to Axness for sponsoring this episode. Their mission, wireless intercom. Check them out today at axness.com. Now coming up next, more stories out of the U.S. Coast Guard on another Finn's brother. So please welcome our next guest, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 699, Mr. Rob Simpson. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Today, we have a Finn brother coming to us. I'm super stoked to have this guy on. Ladies and gentlemen, United States Coast Guard, rescue swimmer, number 699, Mr. Rob Simpson. What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going, Jason? Thanks for having me on. Dude, it's a pleasure. I I was actually thinking about this a little bit ago. Um, So you and I officially met at Heli Expo two years ago. When you were working with Chris Razok and the and the rescue swimmer shop at the booth, like helping him out, and I'm like, yeah. bro, what's up? And you're like, hey, dude. I'm like, you should come on the podcast. You're like, nope, nope, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. And here you are, dude. Yeah, you're you're right. It, it was awesome to meet you, and I can't believe it's already been two years since the Heli Expo, man. That's wild how time just like yeah. slips on through. Right. Yeah. Right. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. So you are retired, retired rescue swimmer. I'm, I'm excited for you. Congratulations. That's amazing. Hey, thanks, man. So thanks. yeah, totally. So, but, uh, so now we're going to get into a couple of your stories and another big reason I have you on is for an article you wrote, uh, about being grounded and we're going to get into that much later, but it's, it was a, another reason I reached out to you because I was so, so pumped after I read that article, I'm like, Oh dude, we, we need to talk about this. We need to get this out there for the other brothers that are doing this. So dude, again, I, I thank you for coming on and be willing to talk about that too. So it's going to be good. Yeah. But, thanks for reaching out and thanks for, for convincing me to come on. Cause you know how it is. <laughs> like if that, if it helps one dude, you know, maybe down the road, like it's totally worth it. You know, I I'm, I'm happy to talk to you and be here and catch up, man. That's awesome. Well, if it helps you, you've already helped me. So that's, you helped the one, dude. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Booyah. All right. I'm going to punch out then if that's cool. <laughs> oh, lame. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's funny. All right, Rob. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Before we get too far into your rescues and, and your case and how you got into the Coast Guard, give a little background. Who's Rob Simpson? Where are you from? And how and why did you join the Coast Guard? And why did you become a swimmer? Oh, man. Oh, awesome questions. Yeah. So, um, I'm like you said, recently retired. I did just over 20, just under 21 years, something like that. I joined in 2002. I, uh, it was kind of a long journey. So I was a lifeguard at the Portsmouth Coast Guard pool and, uh, in high school. And I met a bunch of coasties and they were all super cool. And they were talking about like bringing their surfboards underway and how it was just like this rad thing. So it was always in the back of my mind that the Coast Guard was a pretty cool service. Um, and then I, I ended up going to college um, at a small school out in Virginia and 9-11 happened my freshman year. Oh. And I just was like adrift, like, why am I here? This whole thing happens, you know, and it just felt 
so artificial to be in school for me personally, when I just wanted, I didn't, I was drifting. So I wanted to serve while I was in that drifting phase. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So, um, I ended up taking leave of absence and joining the coast guard, um, that summer. And, uh, yeah, my initially was just going to do four years. And, uh, at some point I just like fell in love with it, man. You know, I just, um, I initially, uh, you know, I went and talked to the recruiter and, she was a yeoman. She's super nice, you know, and you know, they hand you that helmsman manual. Like, Hey, here are the jobs, if you, you know, and you see the swimmer and you're like, Ooh, I want to do that. I swam and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, yeah, I think you're too tall. I've never seen a swimmer as tall as you. I don't, I don't think you can get, I don't think you'd fit in a helicopter. I mean, and I'm like 18 years old. I've done zero research. Right. So like, I'm just like, okay, well, what else can I do? I don't want to sit behind a desk. And she goes, well, we've got guaranteed Bosomate a school. If you want to do that. And, uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what that is, but it's outside. And, you know, so it, it, and it happened right when the QM BM rate merged and they opened up like an, an A school for active duty for the first time. So the reason this, I'm like mentioning this is like during a school, like the, I forget how long it was like eight weeks. Like nobody really knew what they were doing because it was traditionally a striker rate. You know, like people who were doing that job came from the fleet and they knew what they were doing. It wasn't like an A school thing. We get some guy at a, a uh, boot camp who doesn't know anything about the Coast Guard, and they teach him how to do this very specific skill set, and then they send him operational, and you're like, I don't know anything, you know. So, um, <laughs> so they trained me as a quartermaster, and I showed up to my first unit, which was uh, the Coast Guard Cutter Diligence out of Wilmington, North Carolina, and they're like, "Welcome to Deck Force." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I've been scrubbing charts, and and you know doing that kind of stuff for, for eight weeks and they hand me a paintbrush and they're like, okay, prep prime and paint. And I knew nothing like zero, less than zero about any of that stuff. And they were like, why did they send you to us? Like, we don't know what to do with you, man. You're totally worthless to us. You know? <laughs> so it was a, it was, dude, it was like a wild experience. The first six oh months of my gosh. boat, they were like, we hate you. And I was like, well, I don't really like you guys either, man. Like you're really mean to me. Like, this is kind of a bummer. You know, I thought I was going to like be helpful, but they, it was just like a very like long learning curve and it was super humbling and eventually like it was awesome so like yeah i ended up doing just under four years as a boson's mate on on the cutter which was it was a great experience man like i uh i think like lots of people um would benefit from getting underway and kind of learning that aspect of the job you know before you know especially you know doing what we do becoming a swimmer because you just like you learn so much about being underway and how boats work you know if you've never been on a boat before so yeah yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I actually think about, it, so I, I never got underway. My, my, my boat time was like transiting from shore to offshore to, so I could jump in the water and get in the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. That was like, that was, that was my boat career. But a lot of the guys that we've talked to in our, in our swimmer world, the next thing you know, they're down to the boat. They're trying to navigate the boat. Oh, they're driving at home. Cause they, yeah. they put the patient went up or the victim went up and now they're, Oh, I got it. I'll just drive it in. And they're like, Oh, okay, whatever. He's going to drive the boat in. Dude, I would have, I, I know how to throttle works. Buoys and lining up like sites to come into port. I have no idea. (laughs) Not a clue. I'd be like, all you need to know is throttle. That's it, man. (laughs) Well, that's perfect. Just throttle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so you, you were a boat's mate for four years. Dang. Just about, I think just under. Yeah. And the wild thing was, is, uh, so I was on, on that cutter and so many swimmers that, that we know were there when I was there. Um, so I was stationed with, um, y- your 
previous guest, Bob Watson, his son was one of my best buddies um, on the ship. And Love we, it. Uh, he, he went to A school before I did. He's actually a huge part of like why I ended up uh, taking a shot at being a swimmer because we trained together all the time. And, and, and uh, awesome. you know, a couple other guys, I think there was five guys who ended up going swimmer and a couple other went aviation. So it was like all the non-rates. Life was so tough on the boat that they were like, ah, I'm going aviation, man. So there was a, like a whole... <laughs> Yeah, it was wild, man. Yeah, but there was no question Nick Watson was going swimmer. There was, there was that was never he joined to go swimmer. Whether he says it or not, he did. He was an an incredible human. So uh, just like an anecdote about serving with him. Uh, so he's like an E two E three, and you knew there was something special about him when when the BM one would pull him aside and ask his advice. You know, like like Nick would be working in the B hole or something, and the BM one would be like, "Hey, Nick, I need to talk to you about something kind of heavy, like." You'd sit down and have this like conversation and Nick would be like, well, I think you should probably look into and the, and the BM would be like, all right, Nick, I appreciate your advice. Yeah. Awesome. And we'd all be like, whoa, like that's so awesome. You know, like that's the caliber guy that, that, that Nick is. He's just awesome human all around. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Come on, Nick. I need to get you out here too. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, sorry. All right. Back to you. Back to you. Oh, so no, that's good. We got to talk about Nick all day. He's such a good dude. Yeah, I love Nick. I do. Oh, gosh, I love Nick. But all right. So, but you, let's, let's, what, what brought, okay. So, Nick and those guys were talking to you about being a swimmer. And I mean, yeah. but you're already in e, E4 at the time, I guess, right? Yep. Yeah. I was E4 no. and I was like taking the test for E5. And so there was a moment, and, and I guess this kind of plays into you know, being on the ship. Like we did every mission in the Coast Guard besides breaking ice on that cutter, just about, you know? So like all those legacy missions, we did search and rescue, we did counter narcotics, we, we did all that stuff. And because I was a BM, I was small boat coxswain, boarding team member. Like I was just an active participant in a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. And it was awesome. Like, and I remember very specifically, we were doing a, like a law enforcement boarding at like 2 a.m., and the seas were gnarly and we had to drop off the boarding team on this like super sketchy boat in the middle of the Caribbean and we're soaking wet. We're taking spray and it's dark and I'm like 22, 23 years old, you know, like it's like, this is amazing. Like all my classmates in college right now, like they're studying for their exams or whatever. And I'm just like in it. Like, I love this. I love being cold and I love being wet and like tired in the middle of the ocean. Like I was like, dude, this is, this is me. This is what I want to do for the rest. I don't care what I do, but this is what I want to do forever is just be cold and wet and like just doing this awesome stuff, you know? Um, and so that, that, at that point, that whole like four years and then get out of the coast guard, you know, go back to school. Like it was right out. I was like, this is it, man. I'm like, I'm leaning into this. Um, and I kind of like, I did always want to be a swimmer, but I didn't think it was realistic for, for me at that point. You know, like I, it was like 23, 24 when I was coming up in my four years and, there was like, Hey, you can go, maybe go to a surf station do the surfman route, which is an awesome job. You know, I think that, that they uphold some pretty awesome standards, you know, for that legacy search and rescue. It's, it's a cool job and you know, yeah. but man, I had so many buddies go swimmer. I was like, I got to give that a shot, man. Cause we were training super hard together and, and, uh, yeah. So I rolled the dice and I, I went to a school and you know, I had to put in the, the rate request change and all that, which was pretty seamless. My command supported it pretty well, um, on the boat, which is, I guess not typical, but I was super, no. I had great leadership and, you know, my chief supported it and the XO and everyone. And, oh, um, that's great. Yeah, it was cool. It was super, super cool. Um, and yeah, I went to a school in 2006 and, Sweet. Uh, oh, all right, wait a minute. I, I, 
squeaked through it. Yeah, you know what? You and me both. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Those tall guys, you know, we like. <laughs> the only thing we have advantage of is that we have a long reach on the swim. So it's like, you know, what takes the other guys 20 strokes to get down only takes us about 15. That's fine. I'm okay right. with that. <laughs> right. You got to make it look like you're working real hard, though. Yeah, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> the only other thing that I remember being tall is that when we were doing our buddy toes, when I would reach out and I would do my stroke, I could touch the bottom of the pool. So I remember Odell looking at me, Quinn, are you touching the bottom of the pool? I'm like, no, no business, Odell. No. Now I'm trying to like avoid touching the bottom of the pool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, so funny. Um, but I so back, I, I gotta ask about your boarding team qualified. Um, something that we, we don't actually talk about this much. So Coast Guard does a ton of law enforcement as well on boarding team. So as a team throughout the ship, if you have to board a vessel. Was there any like sketchy or crazy boardings that you had to do, drug runners or anything like that that stands out to you? Yeah, I got to ask, dude, because I'm oh, curious. Yeah. If I can be honest with you, my experience on the ship, it was all kind of, it was, yeah, it was like being a pirate, man. Like we just did some gnarly, it was super fun and, and very well orchestrated, but like it was gnarly. Like you'd roll up and uh, I can, there was one, it was, it was, technically it was a search and rescue case. There was this giant freighter. And the engines died and we basically had to like hang out with them for a week while they waited for a vessel to come tow them back to, I forget where, Jamaica or somewhere down there in the Caribbean. And they had a riot on board. Like they had like an uprising that had to get like quelled and they had us come on board and like legitimately we had to like separate people and do all the stuff that they taught us like in the week long boarding team school that we had to go to, you know, like, like but we're like legitimately like out in the middle of the ocean the, and the weather was super gnarly and we had to like keep these people like safe and not killing each other for like four or five days. It was wild. It was, it was like a super long evolution of just like making sure that like the first mate didn't kill the captain and they were like breaking into their food stores that were like, they opened up their life raft, like their emergency life raft to get the food stores out of there. And so we had to like bring them food and like, it was, it, that was very sketchy. Cause it was like a, like a powder keg. Like it was going to go up any second, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> And that's like how everything was, man. Like we, we would like interdict, um, those a few times. I mean, it wasn't like a lot, but I was on a couple like interdictions where we like pulled over a go fast or something. And that is sketchy. Like you come alongside and you're like, I don't know what these guys have on board. And you're just like chasing them down in the middle of the ocean, man. Like, and, uh, you know, the, the flight, not flight engineer, the boat engineer had like a shotgun drawn. He had it like resting on my shoulder. Like I was just like, dude, this is wild. Like completely wild driving the small boat. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought about oh this stuff in a long time, man. Yeah, it was wild. It was like Dude, yeah. sick. Yeah, it was fun, man. I I think it was great. Um and uh it, yeah, it was super, super fun. All I can think about right now is like in your four years, you go from them handing you a paintbrush and be like, I don't I don't even know how to paint. What do you what what the heck's primer? Primer and top coat. What? And then totally. to like drop it in, armed, locked and loaded, let's go! Get down, stop moving. Yeah. I shoot the engine. Dude, it's <laughs> wild. Yeah, and and that's like no embellishment. Like that's that's what it was like, you know? And like it was crazy cuz I didn't expect it when when they were like, "Hey, we're going to go do this." Like, "Okay, cool. I'll just, you know, I just do whatever they tell me to do. Like drive the boat, drive the boat, you know? Like cuz the coxswain and then we just get in these like kind of wild situations, you know? Like offloading drugs and six foot seas, you know, off of a disabled sailboat. You're like, "Dude, this is wild. It took 8 hours like 
just like these crazy, <laughs> super fun evolutions, you know, like, I don't know. That's great. I had a great time. Yeah, that's badass, dude. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, we don't get a lot of uh, people that are in the Coast Guard boat world on, on the podcast. Cause it's not like it's their, their search and rescue is just different, right? Like you said, it was just, you end up search and rescue case. You get, you're a week uh, with this tanker ship, but they just do different shit. That is cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, but that's the wild thing is like, oh. I, I'm sure that any E4 on a white hole has similar stories, you know, like any, any bosun's mate, like it is like that. That's, but I don't know. That was 20 years ago. I don't know how it is now. It seems like, like back then it was kind of like the wild West, man. Like some of the stories from that ship are just like, I try to tell them to people and they're like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. I think that's like a violation of international law. And I'm like, it might be like, I don't know, dude, I was just like an E4, just like getting after it on a small boat, you know, like it was awesome. Oh but, my God. Dude, yeah. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it, dude. <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking about like joining a service, the Coast Guard is awesome. Like I, I feel like maybe I shouldn't be telling people how much fun it was because they're going to like beat down the recruiter's door, you know? That's probably fantastic. You know how happy they are to hear this right now? Come on. Oh, They're like, man. let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny. And the food was right. good. <laughs> uh, on the boat? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> or in boot camp. The food is fantastic everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, yeah. They do all the push-ups for you in boot camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, God, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's, let's get back to uh, now swimmer. You graduate swimmer school. Where was the first place you go? Uh, I went to Atlantic City. That was my first nice. swimming unit. New Jersey. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And uh, after you get qualified, do you remember your very first rescue? Oh, I do. Yeah. Uh, so in New Jersey, back in the day, I don't. I think they still do it this way. But you know, when I was there, they had an Alpha and a Bravo crew because the area of responsibility is so large. There's technically supposed to, at least this is like what it was. I don't know how it still is, but they would want a crew to be able to go North and to go South if, if they needed to. Um, so on this specific day, I was the Bravo crew, which is usually the second to go. And one of the more senior guys was on the alpha crew and I was on the treadmill running when the SAR alarm went off, you know, and I was like, Oh, excited. You know, and I was going to go help him put his gear on the plane. And he's like, you want this one? I was like, yeah, I want this one. Like I've been like frothing to get a SAR case. You know, I'd been qualified for a couple months. You know, you, you know how it'd be if someone was like, well, technically this is mine, but do you want to go? You'd be like, yeah, dude, I'd do anything to go. Like, this would be awesome. So, he, and it was like right near the end of the duty period too. So he sold it. He was like, you know, either, either he could go home or he could go on a SAR case. So he was like, bro, you can take it, man. It's all yours. And I was like, oh, thank you so much, dude. Um. <laughs> So Dick it was like, a, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I didn't know I was too stoked. <laughs> no, I loved uh, it, man. I, uh, I, I thought it was so rad. And, um, and we like took off and I did, I made all the mistakes, you know, like I wore, uh, like I wore a full wetsuit when I should have probably just worn a shorty. And so I was like sweating the whole time. By the time we even got on scene, I was already like baking a loaf of sourdough bread in my wetsuit, you know? And, um, <laughs> They put me down and dude, I was just like a hundred percent. Cause you know, in a school, it's like everyone trying to fight you and you're just like, you're getting into these SAR cases with the instructors and it's like, oh man, like you're fighting each other. But like, this was my first real life experience. So they put you down on the boat and, um, 
everybody was compliant and super nice. So I was just like at a level 10 and they're like at a level one, you know? So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so different. I'm like, like shouting at people. And I'm like, Oh, Ooh, I, just, I can just like be cool. You know, like it was such a great learning experience. And thankfully like the, the, the case was like a, on a little charter boat and it was a person like a lady who had um, abdominal pains. So who knows what it was, but like I, I went through all, all the questions on the, you know, like, uh, sample history, OPQRST, like every, I had, like the little thing stuck on my leg and I went through every question and the lady's like, can you just like get me out of here? You know, I'm like filling out the PCR. So it's just like, like a wild experience of like, like what, what you're trained to do and then what the job actually is. It's like, you just kind of like go and do your thing. Right. Like, but if yeah. you don't have anything to base it on, you know, so I just like, I checked all the boxes, man. And then hoisted this lady and like, I went off the, <laughs> this is embarrassing too. So I went off the recommendation of the guys. They were like, hey, we were at a 65 unit, right? So they're like, hey, take the basket off. This lady is going to be a medevac, so you need to put the litter on. You're going to litter hoist this lady. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's do that. So we took the basket off and put the litter on. And we get on scene, and they were just going to basket her. And they're like, where's the basket? I'm like, oh, we took the basket off and put the litter on. And you're like, okay, all right. Well, so then I had to litter this lady who, like, walked into the litter. You know, like, it would have been perfectly fine to put her in a basket. But I went off the guys in the shop. So I don't know if they were, like, setting me up or if they were looking out for me. Like, they were probably looking out for me. But it was like, oh, my gosh, did it complicate the evolution, you know? Because then, like, litter's got to come down. You're running out of fuel. It's my first time packaging a litter on the back of a boat, you know? So it's just like... I was just, I was sweating to say the least. And it was all brought on myself. Like this was like a level two, very mellow sarcasm. And I turned it into something much more complicated. You know, I overthought everything. And I specifically remember, this is, this is interesting. Um, so the flight mechanic, he, he was a seasoned guy and uh, we pulled the patient in and uh, I'm like providing care and I am dripping sweat out of my helmet. You know, like the ear cups, they, they hold all uh -huh. that sweat. And when you go like this, it's like a stream of sweat comes out of the, the helmet. Just tip your head. Yeah, you tip your head so it fades out of the ear cup. <laughs> Dude, I was sweating all over this poor lady. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, you know, just like full adrenaline for no reason. And I'm sweating on this poor lady. And the flight mechanic, like, he comes up. He's like, hey, man, just like hold her hand. Like, just chill out, dude. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. And I remember, and so that flight mechanic has since become a pilot and is like a really cool guy. And he'll see me every once in a while. I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? You know, he always gives you that look. Like, you remember that time when you were a psycho, like in the back of the plane? I'm like, yes, I do remember that time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it up. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Every time. Yeah. Oh, Rob, that is awesome. Oh gosh. I love that. Dude. I don't know, man. <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> I, you know how it is though. You know, I just wanted to do a good job, you know, and like you, you don't actually get a chance to like break in with a seasoned guy in, in most situations. Like you're like on your own doing this. And I just like, I want to do, I want to be so good at this. And I just overthought everything, man, you know? <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. That is hilarious. It, it's, it's funny you bring that up too, because you're right. Like we, we go through swimmer school, you go through EMT school. They flog you in the pool. They're yelling at you on the deck with some scenario of something on fire and you got to get somebody to litter on the side and carry them out and drop them in the water and swim over the tower. And you're doing all this stuff and you're like, ah, and then like your first or second case. And they're like, yeah, what do, what do you need, man? You're like, I, don't step at me. <laughs> yeah. I'll freaking whack you. Be like, Dude, that's totally Dude. how it was. Yeah, man. <laughs> I need you to stand over there, sir. Don't move. <laughs> 
Like, oh, okay, to, God, you're, he's an angry I'm in swimmer. charge of this vessel now. <laughs> <laughs> you take orders from me now. Yeah, dude. Uh, I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer. <laughs> Do you <laughs> understand this? <laughs> totally over the top, oh, man. God, I love it. Oh, Rob, I love what we do. I love what we do so much. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, trip, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're going to divert real quick to thank our sponsors, Axness. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. All right, so let me, let me ask the next question here. That is I, just a rundown of your career. So you started in Atlantic city. Where, where are all your bases? And I'm not backtracking to two, uh, back to them, but where, where did you go after that? Yeah, sure. So from Atlantic city, I went to Sitka. I did a tour in Sitka, which was awesome. And then from there I went to Traverse city and I was there for when they transitioned from the 65 to the 60, um, which was a cool experience. Oh, that's cool. And then from Traverse city, I got picked up for the stand team. And uh, that's where I retired out of. So I did five years ish on on the stand team down in Mobile. Right on! Wow, what a uh, man! That's a solid career. So New Jersey, you got the whole East Coast. Nothing. Well, you got hurricanes that come through there and some weird stuff on the East Coast for sure. Sitka, yep. Alaska. Good lord, some gnarly stuff. And you actually have to. Well, I don't know if they're still doing it. Maybe you know. Um, but when I was in the guys up there had to be EMT intermediate so they could give fluid because of the, all the islands that they responded to still the same. So uh, when I was there, it was that way. Uh, we were yeah. EMT twos under the Alaska state guidelines. And we had this like incredible instructor come down and, and teach us how, how to do all that stuff and give us the qualification. And that was probably the best medical training I ever received in the coast guard uh, was, was nice. the civilian that would come down to teach us. So for that specific mission, we were pretty, I mean, like I shouldn't say well prepared, but like when it comes to doing that specific job of maintaining IVs and, and advanced airways, like we, we were okay. Um, and I think that they've since downgraded it back to EMTB because um, I'm not exactly sure, but there was like some, some, some friction um, with like staying current in those skill sets. Cause they're so busy up there. I think it was tough. So got it. I don't, got it. I'll, I'll just defer and say, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they're still doing All that, good. but I think they're not. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the interesting thing about being a stand guy was to go back to previous units you were at and then like hear about how how things have changed since you've been there. And that was one of the key components to what had changed for them was they were still doing – and that was my experience. I guess I could share that. My experience in Sitka was very complex medevacs, very sick people that would probably be better off with a critical care nurse or you know flight paramedic. Um, but because of the nature of conducting search and rescue operations up there, like civilian medevac, they can't fly or won't fly, you know, in some of the weather conditions because right. it, it gets so gnarly up there. So uh, we'll accept a little bit more risk to get into those remote villages. And some of the patients you pick up are just like super sick or super smashed up. And um, it just made it really, really complicated for us. And I think that staying current on those skills was, was difficult. And I think that they were just like accepting cases that, that, uh, it was like rolling the dice, you know? So I, I think yeah. they probably just were like, Hey, just downgrade back to EMTB, make it, make it standard. Right. Like as a stand team, you're like, anytime you hear standard, you're like, Ooh, I like, that sounds yeah. great. So I think that they, they went back to what the standard is. Okay, cool. Um, 
just to make it easier on the, cause it puts a lot of pressure on the guy or whoever to, to perform if you're not as current as you should be in whatever skill set you have. So they, yeah. they weren't able to stay as current as they, they needed to be to do those, those kind of higher level of care um, interventions. And so they were like, yo, like everyone else in the whole Coast Guard is doing it this way. Why don't we just do that? And I think it solved the problem for them. If I, oh, this nice. is, again, this was like two years ago when I was there. So it could yeah. be completely different now. It was like 12 years ago for me, man. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to pay catch up with all you know, the changes and updates. So you have more recent than I do. <laughs> so then from there, you end up bouncing down to Traverse City, Michigan. Awesome. So uh, great lakes, fresh water. So you go saltwater, saltwater, and fresh water, only it's yeah. super cold. And I know it's super like, cold. oh, no, Alaska was cold. No, no, no. The Great Lakes are cold. I mean, that's cold. <laughs> so cold nice man. yeah yeah and then you drop yeah. down into the stand team which is down in mobile alabama that's that's a that's a pretty nice career right on good for you dude oh. solid. Yeah, thanks man solid yeah. yeah all right so now in in your in your vast well actually let's go to the three units you had uh atlantic city and then sitka and then michigan i know you had a couple cases and rescues that kind of stand out to you um we mentioned two of them one of them you actually followed a fellow swimmer into something. And then after that, there was another, a kid and a tote. I can't, I can't wait to hear it. So let's start with the first one. Oh, uh, so thinking back of those moments when you're on the job and they just are going to stay with you for the rest of your life. Like one case in particular stands out that way. Um, because by the nature of what we do, we're usually by ourselves. Once we go out the cabin door, we're solo you know, we're working with the healer. We're working with the flight mechanic very closely, of course. But like when your boots are on the ground, like it's really just you coordinating the rescue effort from the ground and, and making decisions. And, and, um, very rarely do you get to mix it up with a fellow swimmer. And, um, I had a really unique opportunity when I was in Sitka where the night before, or maybe it was two nights before one of my, you know, one of my bros was on this like super gnarly case, um, down in Petersburg where a plane had just crashed in the side of a mountain. Oh, geez. And it was like Herculean effort on the, the air crew, the pilots, the flight mechanic to, to fly down there and locate the vessel or locate the, the, the crash site. And then they all had to work together to, to, to find the survivors and find a hoist area and, and put, put the swimmer Dave down. And man, he just worked his butt off. He worked so hard. And it was like, I forget how many people there were on board. It was like seven or eight and w with one person who had um, unfortunately expired on, on impact. And he had to like drag these people out of the plane, which was very precariously perched on these on like couple trees holding this float plane on the side of the mountain. And he told us a story about how like he had to drag them out on the litter and they were like, Hey, who else is coming? And he's like, nobody, nobody is coming. I am the rescue team. <laughs> like you guys were in it together, you know? And, and he just did this amazing job and told us about it and he had to like provide care and he blew apart the EMT kit and had to like use it and then left it on the side of the mountain because he couldn't, you know, like he just, just used everything. And, um, the next day, so you know how it is. Like you get the download from the guy in the shop and he yep. tells you the story. You're like, wow, that's awesome, man. Super cool. And then they wanted to go and coordinate a joint effort to recover the deceased from the wreckage. And so they wanted a swimmer to be part of that. So I was like, please. I'd love to be part of that. And then we worked with, uh, Juneau mountain rescue and Alaska state troopers 
And I think there was like a NTSB, like National Traffic Safety Board member who's going to go and like just like investigate whatever. So it was like a, a big joint operation to go and like recover this um, this deceased person. Um, but like what was – and it was super hard, like gnarly. Like getting on scene was gnarly. The hoist to get down there was gnarly. Um, we had to like set up fixed ropes and like ascend a fixed rope to get up to the crash site which was, you know, Holy super smoke. cool, but like, it was like crazy. You think about like Dave was doing this stuff the night before, um, and actually rescuing people. And we were just like humping gear to get up there. And it was just like really, really tough to just to get to the crash site. Um, and I lit, I got to walk literally on the side of the mountain, Dave's footsteps and like the, the, the mark that the litter had made in the dirt across the side of the mountain. Like I got to see what he had done. And, you know, I'm like a knuckle dragger, you know, like I'm not the most emotionally intelligent human in the world, but I was like overcome with this wild emotion. Like I was so proud of what he had done and like just seeing it and like watching, dude, it was, it was just rad. It was so cool. Like very, very cool experience. So that, that's like one of the cases that like stands out. It's like, I got to see what one of my brothers had done to save all these people a couple nights before. And it was just, it was so wow. rad, dude. Oh yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, because heck, that's ne that's never even been a thought of mine to go back in after a brother went into. Dude, that's sick, man. Yeah, it was cool, man. You know, and and like the the effort on its own was very complex, and we got to do the job, but we weren't saving anybody. You know, like it wasn't like, you know, like our our mission was just to to kind of go and like bring this this person home to their family so they could be laid to rest. You know, which which in yeah. itself was cool, but. Yeah then to like walk in my in my bro's footsteps and see what he had done and, and i remember like he told us that uh he was like covered in mud and stuff and we were like super into you know again like knuckle draggers like super into arnold schwarzenegger and predator you know that that movie like where he covers himself in mud <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and david been like yeah it was kind of like that it was covered in mud and we're like yeah all right yeah so like but no joke man we stopped to get fuel at the same place that they got in fuel in the case and the guy who does the fuel is like, yeah, that guy looked like the dude from Predator when he's covered in mud. And we're like, yeah. You know, it was pretty awesome. Oh, that's freaking badass. <laughs> All right. So now when you got back to the shop, did you walk in and be like, dude, that wasn't that bad. What's wrong with you? No. I'm just kidding. Dude, I no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't have that kind of – I wish I I could, man. No. I guess if I was smarter, I would have. But I actually called him from the ramp and was like, dude, I am like, this is so wild. And he was like, okay, whatever, you know, like yeah. – but yeah, it was pretty, it was very cool. <laughs> That's freaking badass, man. I like that. That's funny. All right. So now next one, you have a kid stuck in a tote. What? Oh, uh, man. So that case, that's another one where we kind of worked in tandem with another crew. Um, I was in Sitka again and they had searched all night for a vessel that had capsized and went down and there were two people on board and they searched and searched and searched and searched. And right before I came on duty that day, like the wind was like gnarly. The sea state wasn't too gnarly, but like, it was just like really crappy out, you know, Sitka weather. And, um, yeah, I remember my wife was like, like, I'm usually not really worried about you, but like, be safe. <laughs> you know, she was like, I was like, well, that's like ominous, you know, like, yeah. you don't Thanks, honey. Really care. Yeah. Totally. That's when your wife leads into you. Don't get on the helo. Don't get on the helo. Like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, what is this? What are you saying right now? 
Dude, yeah, it was hundred percent just like that. You're like, wow, that's real. It scratched my head. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. And then she just walked away from me. That was weird. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, dude. All right, anyway, so it was. Ahead. I guess I just mentioned that to say, like, the weather was pretty crappy even for Sitka that day, and and it was like understandable that like like a drop bow boat went down somewhere in the sound. Um, so the crew before me searched all night long and they located one of the crew members on shore actually. And it was like this awesome job that they did. Um, they, and they put the swimmer down and he, he like did an amazing job getting the guy into the helo and then was smart enough to pull out the, uh, like the gazetteer and like have the guy point, like, where were you when you went down? And, and the guy was like sitting in a wiggies bag and like showing the crew and, and like where they were the night before. So it gave him a bead and like on where to start looking. Wow. Anyway, so the guy ended up like cramping up and needed to go um, to the hospital. So they went back to the air station and dropped the dude off. And at that point, we were spinning up and they pointed us in the right direction. So we were searching. And then actually, a good Sam located this fish tote. And what had happened was the night before, the, the crewman that they had rescued from shore had put this kid in the fish tote as like a, like a life raft like this is this is your last ditch effort to survive and put the kid in the raft and then like let go and like drift it off like totally expecting i think that that was like that was his 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 last move you know i was like save the kid let go of the boat uh, the fish tote and like he he was like on his own which is like wild and super heroic for for that crewman in his own right holy and, smoke um, yeah yeah kind of a heavy decision to make is like a guy out there fishing you know yeah um but uh Dude. yeah so we ended up uh a good sam was on scene and located the fish tote and kind of they came up on the radio and and gave us a position and dude we flew in there and and uh they put me down i swam over it was like for us for what we do and the training and the gear like it was very very mellow super super mellow but for this kid he spent 26 hours in this fish tote like in, in alaska in, waters in alaska yeah. That's like, like all of thirty-five to forty degree Fahrenheit water. That's it was wild. Yeah, and he was in all he was wearing was a float coat. Like he wasn't in like a survival suit or anything. So, uh, that's why I oh, mentioned that... like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I swam over, and the kids like you know shivering, and I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" He's like, "I'm cold," and I was like, "That was a dumb question. I shouldn't ask that." But, you know. <laughs> So I was like, all right, don't worry, man. It's nice and warm in the helo. You know, we'll get you out of here. And like I signaled for the basket. And and uh, it was the, the wild thing was like when, when I pulled him out of the tote, the tote like flipped over and like tried to swallow him back up. Like didn't want to give him up. You know, it was wild. It was like I had to put my hand up and stop the tote from hitting him. You know, and it's just like it was uh, that was kind of a cool moment. Um, and then like the cool part of that story was the flight mechanic, um, who's an awesome guy. He uh, when he hoisted the survivor up he put the guy in the wiggies bag and got him all set up on his own, just left me in the water, which I thought was such a baller move, you know? Cause like he knows I'm okay. And he knows this kid's been in the water for 26 hours. So he's like, yeah. Rob's good. I'm going to take care of this dude. And, you know, warmed him up. And by the time I got there and put the the leads on the kid, like he was already starting to like warm up in the wiggies bag. So I, I guess I just wow. mentioned that. Cause like, dude, like the people we work with are so awesome. And you know, like, Oh yeah. Pilots and flight mechanics. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. They're on point. And, and, like it's great to know you got that backup, you know, up in the helo. 
dude, you can't do it. You're a team. It's, it's a team effort. This is a team sport all day. Like hundred percent. Oh, dude. Good move. Dude, that's so funny. <laughs> How you doing? I'm cold. What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, uh, yeah. that was a dumb but question. She, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> oh God. Rob, you, I'm loving this dude. I'll, I'll keep going. Uh, I really will. Those are the two that you mentioned to me, but anything else, you're more than welcome to drop it. <laughs> oh man. It's like, there's so many, you know how it is over the course of your career. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, it's, uh, you know, what's funny is that you, when you say that you're right, it, there are so many rescues or, or missions you fly on, whether it's just a, a BS search for hours and hours and you're sitting in the back of the helicopter like, oh my gosh, there's guaranteed nothing out here. Uh, yeah, to then the, the so benign, so easy, you just get maybe hoisted in or you land, you walk over, you pick somebody up. You're like, oh yeah, oh, that was easy. And then you just walk away. So uh, anything like off the top of your head, because Sitka is, uh, again, a, a weird area where you have mountains that you got to get up onto. I mean, when I was in Alaska, I had to pick somebody up off the mountain. Did you have any of those, like going inland? I did, yeah. I pulled a couple people off of uh, like a ridgeline, um, which was, again, like for us, very, very benign. But for them, it was pretty heavy. And, and um, you know, it was it was my first real well, – I shouldn't say that. I had a couple inland cases before that. But this was like – um, it was, so I guess I'll just, I'll let's go, story. let's go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, and again, bro. like I, I did not do anything noteworthy. I was just the guy who was Whatever. that day. I don't but, care. Um... That's the greatest part about, I don't care. I just want to hear the story. <laughs> All right. So we're in Sitka and I was brand new up there at the time. I think I'd only been there for about six months and there, there was a, a hiking party that was cross crossing the island of the, the Baranoff Island, which is where Sitka is located. And, uh, they were hiking on Mount Bassey, which is like the highest point on Baranoff. If I'm correct, I, it's been a while since I've been up there. So I could be, I could be incorrect, but it was one of, it, if not the highest peak, one of the highest peaks. Um, and it's like a, a route that people will do. They'll go and they'll traverse Mount Bassey. The problem with that is, is like, the ceilings are so low that you can go up and then you get you, you know, now you're, you're in the goo um, and get disoriented, which is what happened with this crew, I believe. So I don't know how they got in touch with us. Uh, they got in touch with sector. I think they were like hailing mayday or something. And, and then they diverted us, which is like a short trip from where we're at. It's only a couple minutes in a helicopter to get to where they are. And uh, <laughs> so we get on scene and we see them, you know, and they're like, just, just where the clouds um, meet, the the ridge line and um we get in comms with them and you know i'm still i'm still like i don't know a 65 guy at this point like i haven't fully embraced my 60 air crewman i was so new i'd only been doing it for about six months so i'm running the radios and <laughs> they're like hey um we're okay we don't need help we just need you know someone to point us in the right direction you know and we're like we're laying back like okay well um we can pick you up if you want help. Like, it's okay. And they were like, well, how much does it cost? And they're, they're talking, they're saying all this stuff over one six, you know? And, and so I was like, Hey, if you pay your taxes, it's a free ride home. And the second, like 
I unkeyed the mic. They came back. We're like, pick us up, pick us up. Yeah, like we're good with that. Please pick us up right now. <laughs> so they were like worried that we we're gonna charge them money, you know. And it's like, no, dude, like this is a free ride home. And they were like, they could not wait for me to say yes, we'll pick you up. And they're like, yeah. So it was fun, man. Like they put me down, and I hoisted like I think it was five people, like a couple kids, and someone like a little bit older who knew the route, and we hoisted them all up and, and took them home with all their gear. And yeah, it was fun. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Like, so benign, you just get hoisted up. You're on the, you're on the trail. Like, here, come here. Just walk down to me. Get in the basket. Sit here. Be yeah. quiet. Keep your hands in. That's okay, all it was. Yeah, it was yeah. super cool. Next. Someone snapped a picture of it too. And like ended up in the news and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, man. Like, eh. but I didn't think anything of it. You know, I was just like, oh, you know, like you said, super mellow. Like, on, like, yeah, it was only like, you know, it wasn't like a, I wouldn't say like a true knife edge ridge line, but it was pretty close to that, you know, but like for us, it's like no big deal. Like whatever, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I, you got to think about that. Just, just think about your statement there for a second. Okay. That means that you have to have something incredibly gnarly that, that you think is insane to be like, Oh yeah, that, that was a gnarly case. Not like, Oh, by the way, I'm at the uh, peak almost knife edge trail with six people, five, six, seven people stuck in a cloud. By the way, we're, the rotor blades are like at cloud level. And oh yeah, we're going to just pick them off because they, oh. they're worried about it. <laughs> Come on, man, dude. Wait a down What? Dude, I just, I felt that way my whole, dude, we had the best pilots doing the job and we had the best flight mechanics. Uh, I just, I was fortunate i guess you know like i never once i went out the door i was more worried about how i was going to perform i never thought like hey these guys are gonna let me down you know like yeah. i was so focused on like my part and trying to do a good job that i i just had a hundred percent trust in the people i was standing duty with you know like i don't know was, was it similar great. for you for the most part yeah i mean i other than a, a couple i mean i had my couple big cases but overall yeah, it was, you'd land or you get hoisted down to an area and, oh, yeah, okay, come get me. Like, it's almost similar to yours where I got hoisted to the side of a hill because uh, some guy had, like, elevated heart rate. And it was, it was like, I hiked up through the alders to him. I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, oh, I just, I'm breathing heavy and my pulse is through the roof. I'm like, well, let me check it. Oh, yeah, you're a little high. You want to take a ride? Yeah, yeah, okay. Helicopter leaves, flare. Yeah, come on back. Whoop, whoop, done. One, two, three, out. To the hospital done yeah yeah no big deal but like it was kind of a big deal like because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were having a terrible day and we were like uh, i got you yeah yeah like <laughs> let me put my nice warm coffee down on the window and the nice warm helicopter and go down there and save the day and go back oh my coffee's still warm oh, yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm painting God. a very, no, I very love silly it. picture. I love it. It's not always how it is, for sure. Not, I love it. Not always how it is. Just sometimes. Just sometimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. For me, like uh, a lot of those cases, like where it was like, like maybe a little sketchy in the water or on the boat, like that stuff didn't really bug me. But like the medevacs, oh my gosh. Like even with like the higher level of training that we got in Sitka, like that stuff was what really, really was stressful to me, you know, cause like you could really make a mistake and, and it could be something very simple and, or you miss something in the back of a dark helicopter and it could have like lasting 
ramifications on this patient you're, you're trying so hard to, to help, you know? So those, those were always more heavy in my opinion. Those like long range medevacs were just like gnarly dude, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. Let me bring you to Michigan real quick. Anything stand out in Michigan? Like any iceberg people stuck on icebergs floating out and, uh, I, I think some of that happened. I, never for me. Um, I, I had some pretty, I had an international star case when I was there, which was pretty cool. I'd never done that. So before. you went to Canada? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like 50 miles North. I was like, Oh, it's like, now we're talking to the Canadian coast guard and stuff. <laughs> it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. It was, Oh man. So again, like the crew was amazing. Like I, one of the best flight mechanics and one of the, you know, one of those awesome pilots who's like not really a cowboy, but also very, very good at what they do. So you're just like, this is awesome. Like we're going to get after it. And, uh, I guess a kayaker decided to get in over his head on a super windy day and got, uh, blown into a bay and, and couldn't, couldn't get out of the bay. Um, like you, the thing about the great lakes is like when the wind comes up, it gets super, super gnarly very, very quickly, you know, and there isn't a lot of fetch. So those waves stack up on each other and it's super hard to navigate if, if, uh, if you get in over your head. And so this guy just like decided on a, the wrong day to go kayaking and, and got stranded on some Island and the Canadian fixed wing was like spotted him and kind of vectored us in to go get the guy and let like, they put me down. I swam over and like helped him hide his boat and hoisted him up. And, and, uh, it was again, like, very, very mellow. I didn't do anything amazing. You know, like it was just very, very cut and dry, but the cool, so here's the cool part of the story. The cool part of the story is like, we, we were running out of fuel, big surprise in a 65 and we had to drop this dude off and go fly. And I can't remember where it was. We had to land in Canada to get fuel somewhere. We weren't sure like how that was going to play out, but we, we had like zero time to drop this dude off. So we like land in a parking lot, kick him out. His buddy picks him up in a Subaru. We're like, see ya. We take off and we fly to this place that we're like, we're like flip a coin. If there's the right fuel, like we're just trying to do the right thing, get the plane somewhere safe. You know, um, if I remember right, this is all memory. So like, this is how I remember it happening. Um, so we landed this, this like cute little airfield in, in Canada and, uh, it turns out the fuel's fine. We're getting the fuel and uh Canadian, uh, Mountie, like one of the, like their version of a state trooper came up yeah. and we were all like, Oh man, like, are we like, I mean, violation of customs here. Like none of us have a passport. Like, <laughs> and he was the nicest person hands down ever met in my entire life. Like he was so nice to us. He, he was like, Oh, you know, go, go to Timmy Ho's. I'll get you some coffees and some, some donuts. And we're like, no, it's okay. You don't do that. But you know, thank you so much for coming and checking on us. And him, like, no, that dude like busted out, went and grabbed all of us coffee and grabbed like this big old thing of, Timmy Ho's uh, donuts and, and gave it to us. And he was like, thank you for what you do. Like, you guys are awesome. And we're like, dude, you're the, like, do you want to be friends? Like, I think you're the coolest guy ever. You know? <laughs> oh my God. That's great. It was awesome, That's man. Great. Like all of it, like it was a, you know, like it was a long day, you know, cause we had to stop and get gas like 15 times in the 65 to get up there and get back. So we're all like kind of tired. And this dude bringing us coffee and donuts was the coolest thing that anyone's ever done on a certain case, dude. Like that guy deserves a medal <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, Rob, dude, my cheeks hurt from laughing. I just want you to know that. Like I'm, oh, I'm loving man. it. Yeah. This oh. is great. This is great. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'll take you got one more. Just just one more. Oh my gosh, man. Come on. I don't care. Atlantic City, Sitka, Michigan, I don't care. Whatever you got. 
I know we're going to get heavy here shortly, so. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess since we're, we're in, we're talking Traverse City right now, like I had another case there that was, <laughs> so we get launched to go and find a missing person who had some pre-existing medical conditions. And I guess the guy wanted to go and for nostalgic reasons, hike around this lake that he had gone to Boy Scout camp or something back in the day. So he goes out by himself with these pre-existing medical conditions and gets lost. And his wife calls and is like, my husband, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can imagine like the phone call, how that, that probably must yeah. have gone. So they they launch us. It's after dark, so it's dark out. You know, like this guy's been gone all day, and his wife calls, and so like we get launched, and she gave us very good location of where to start looking because we found him on the first pass, and he had the oh, wherewithal wow. to like flash his cell phone at us and on NVGC, like we we found him immediately, which was awesome. Um, and so, but the problem was where he was the 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 tree canopy was super thick, and they couldn't put me down anywhere near him. So they had to put me down like in this like swamp clearing all by myself, you know, like they lower you down. And um, thankfully it was in Michigan. So there's not like any gators or snakes or yeah. anything I had to worry about too much. So they put me down and like, I had to like hike through the woods, like a half mile to go find this. And, and again, like the air crew saved the day, they dropped me down and then they go over to where the guy was and they put the spotlight down on where the guy was located. Oh, nice. So I just had to hike to the spotlight, which was super cool. It was such a great idea. And we didn't brief that. That was just like something they came up with on the fly. Cause they probably put me down. They saw me going like, like which way do you go? Which way do I go? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so they came, they like beamed the light down. And, uh, so I like ended up walking up to this guy and, uh, he's like standing in a like literal ray of light, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, hey, yeah, dude, totally <laughs> from the Gila, you know, it's just like a pretty funny situation. And, uh, I was like, Hey, um, I'm with the Coast Guard. My name's Rob. We're here to get you out of here. He goes like, Oh, Coast Guard. Yeah. I love the Coast Guard. Cool. How's the Air Force? I was like, okay, um, cool. You know, like, so it's just like, it's a very awkward, you know, it was probably mostly me. I'm a pretty awkward guy, but it was very, very awkward. Like I had to w walk this guy and he wasn't super mobile. So it took us forever. And the helo ran out of gas and had to go and get gas. So dude, I had to like hike him to the hoist area, which was ended up being like a new hoist area. And I had to flatten out a bunch of like brush and stuff and get him. And anyway, I, I guess it was like the one case where I was like, you, you really needed us and didn't realize that you needed us, man. You know, like we found him and pulled him out of there and he was like, like kind of like, Oh, you know, whatever. And I was like, dude, like it's a good thing. Your wife loves you so much, man. You know, like it's pretty funny, but again, I was like super mellow and, and the, you know, but I, I guess the one thing that was negative was like, they, they left me on scene. So I had to like talk to this guy for 45 minutes, you know, and they went and got gas and I was like, Oh my God, I just can't, I just want to go back to bed. You know, how was your conversation? So it wasn't that good. Is that what you're saying? It, it was pretty awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I, I, I'm surprised you didn't like get a full story of his entire life. I, Actually, you probably I, did, didn't you? I did, yeah. I'm like, I, I probably can't remember it, so I'm not going to try. But it, it was just kind of. Uh, 
all right, uh, where's the helo? You know, started making blind call outs like six, five, whatever. Like, where are y'all? Like, about ready for pickup. Hold on, sir. I got to make a call. Hello? Anybody? <laughs> get, get somebody. Anybody. Yeah. Just like checking the weather, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Rob. God, I love these stories. I love what we do, man. I love it so much. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, man. Oh, it's good stuff. Well, it seems to be that time because we've hit our bingo. We'll be relaunching for part two of this episode after we refuel. We'll see you soon. Go. Now, it's time for me to pull chocks and take off. But before I go, I'm always looking for the memorable rescues that people have done. If you have one that you're willing to share or know somebody who has a story, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to highlight it here at The Real Rescue. For everybody that is standing by for that SAR alarm, remember, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. So until next time, fly safe and swim hard. Thank you for joining me today here at The Real Rescue Podcast, powered by Vertical Helicast. We'd also like to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. If you want more information, Contact them today at axnes.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. So today is puppy swimmer training. We're gonna drop in the water. Let's see how you do today, dude. There we go, there we go. Yep, yep. Oh, good job, good job. Ready? There you go. Good job, dude. Oh, good job. Oh, take your wave. Yeah, good job. There's one. That's it. Good job, Rotor. Good job, Rotor Blade. Summer training at its best. Let's go. Take your wave, take your wave. Yeah. Good boy. Good boy, Rotor. Get up there. He's like, I'm done. I don't want none of that. <laughs> I'm leaving you. 